Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, Eve Eurydice, and today we're diving into the world of video game playing. And uh, my guest is a committed <laughs> hobbyist. Um, so, uh, Raf, Rafael, Luis, uh, welcome to the show. Hi, Eve. Thank <laughs> you for having me. Uh, it's uh, it's my pleasure because this is something I've been fascinated by for uh, over 20 years, really, since I first saw um, someone who actually was in an, in an Air Force base playing video games like his whole uh, free time. And that was at least 25 years ago. And, you know, it was a big, bulky bigger than TV kind of setup. So it, it dominated the, the living room, I remember. And, and I remember feeling then this connection between, you know, military uh, training and video gaming. And all that has happened from then to now, you know, the huge like growth in gaming and the the, especially the explosion during COVID uh, has only reinforced actually my point of view. <laughs> so, but I want to get the insider's um, knowledge from you, the inside intel. So, you know, before I ask, asking you my questions, uh, before I start, I want to share some of the latest like data. So like more than 2 billion people play video games globally uh, every week, including over 150 million in the US. Um, and 64% um, of Americans are gamers. And the average male gamer is like 33. But really, the span seems to be well, if we count only adults, 18 to 45. And then it seems that from 45 till, uh, you know, antiquity, <laughs> men like to watch uh, TV and movies, right? So there is a very sharp, you know, distinction um, in these age groups when it comes to their main source of entertainment. And I find that, you know, fascinating when it comes to the future, the future we're in right now, <laughs> right? 2020, because this mass, this mass uh, population of gamers, you know, is inevitably going to take over uh, governing the country and, you know, hopefully more than just America. And will that change things and, and how? Um, they, they have definitely been, you know, enjoying a different relationship with the screen than the previous generation, you know, the McLuhan generation that was kind of like passively watching the screen. In 1999, the industry generated 7.4 billion in revenue, 131 billion in 2018, and the expectation is 300 billion by 2025, right? So uh, people aged 15 to 24 uh, were the ones who played the most. Um, and that's uh, and that would be, you know, about 20 minutes a day just for fun on average. Um, and uh, I'm going to say people 18 to 29, you know, 43% of them played online. Um, but in general, um, again, in 
2018, when the last major study was done, over 166 million adults played, you know, sometimes daily. So, um, and, um, you know, I'm, they say that about half of these people play on their computers, half play, you know, uh, on their mobile phones. Um, so it's just, you know, and the average is about like seven hours a week. Again, uh, speaking completely in like stats and, and averages. And I think that these numbers have grown a lot in 2020, but we don't really have the statistics yet, at least not officially. But it's, mm -hmm. video games are becoming both like the leading form of entertainment, at least, you know, for, for men, but I think for all genders and also like an integral part of American culture in a way that's not officially recognized that much, you know, like the way TVs, right? Yeah, yeah. As the, way, the way that sports are as well. Oh, sports, there's right. Huge, yeah, there's a huge debate about eSports and which is just sports for, for video gamers and whether that's considered a sport and whether uh, colleges or like NCAA is going to start having um, uh e-sports e um, and, and whether they're going to give scholarships for e-sports. These are all things that are up for debate. And, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's the, um, the interactiveness of video games that, that is such a draw for people. And we see more and more and more technology in general, just being so present in our lives. I mean, we have a supercomputer in our hand. Everybody has a supercomputer in their hand. And video games just bring um, a level of interactiveness that just passively watching a screen, I think, is um, doesn't bring. And um, I think that that draw um, can be seen in, in the numbers that you just mentioned with with money. I, I remember uh, when a video game called Grand Theft Auto V uh, first came out. Forgot exactly what year, um, but uh, it it grossed like over two billion dollars in a weekend right wow yeah this kind this kind of of this thing was 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 kind of unheard of and and the numbers just are just going up and up and up and and every big game that comes out seems to smash uh the record that was set before so like this among us um is like number yeah. five in popularity let's say you know so there are games that you play where you don't have to have your friends there uh, that are still popular. So there's, I think there is more. What, what it's more like the the active. It's the inter, but more the active. You know, whereas the TV is completely passive, right? Yeah. Like the movie. Yeah. You just a blob sitting there, not participating. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, Among Us is a is a whole that that's a, <laughs> a whole other that, topic. Which yeah, we'll, that's we'll a, get that's we'll get into thing. the details. But and by the way, I read that something like thirty nine percent of players would like to play professionally if they could find a way to support themselves <laughs> playing. Yeah, well, that's yeah, <laughs> becoming more and and more accessible for people as esports grows. I mean, it's it's insane. I mean, Fortnite, which for a long time was one of the biggest games in the world. It might still be actually, um, they set a precedent by, uh, offering, I think they had a hundred million dollars in just for prize money for esports for a year. So they, they, the, the company, uh, of, um, of, of Fortnite, um, Epic games, they, they literally just 
said we're gonna we're gonna drop a hundred million dollars just for prize money just for prize money for people who are participating in, in esports so it, it's becoming definitely more and more of a thing i know in um in korea as well has a massive massive esports um industry really and that you know kind of it's i've heard that you know sports here in like football here uh in the u.s is like esports in 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 korea um which is which is is just um it's crazy to think about yeah but the difference again is what they're trying to do see it's like the viking capitals hack you know meaning they're trying to turn the, the, what we're saying is the fun of, of video gaming into another form of like passive TV entertainment. So you're just sitting there watching other people play video games while like you're eating pizza and having beers, <laughs> you know, which I think oh, goes sure. against yeah. like the, I mean, it's one thing to watch like people on YouTube who are play really well and then you learn, right? Well, I, I will say I would actually, I, I think it, I see what, what what you're saying here, but I actually think it's the opposite. I, I think that um, creating such a large um, esports industry, the, the the people who participate in esports, those are the the best of the best. I mean, they're the the greatest, they're the the, the best gamers um, in the respective game that they play in in the world typically. Um, and I think what that does is it it draws people in to say, I wanna I wanna play that good i want to play this game look at how good these people are um but that's an interesting point that you bring up about esports and and turning the um turning the what video gaming is into this kind of passive just you're sitting back you're watching you know you're i don't know if you have to i don't really know i i don't so well, I, don't, I mean uh, all that money yeah. could go into prizes you win when you can win the game you know like um so if it's prize money more people would compete, I guess, professionally because the the draw, you know, the the stakes would be high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I mean, absolutely, and that's what e, that's what esports. I think um, that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to draw more and more people. They don't want esports to be just this kind of fringe thing that a few, you know, hardcore gamers do, and they, you know, they make some money here and there. They want to turn it into a, a full on sport uh, sports and entertainment industry um yeah i mean you you have you have um sinatra who's this that's his kind of game uh, his handle he's a uh, overwatch player he plays this game called overwatch <clears throat> and uh you know he went on he went on jimmy fallon he's like 17 years old or when he went on jimmy fallon he was 17 years old and he had you know, made hundreds of thousands of dollars winning the you know international championship for for overwatch he's 17 years old and you know jimmy's talking to him and, he, and he's like how much do you play and he's like well i gotta play eight to ten hours a day it's like a job i have a coach or practices it's a, it's a serious um commitment and, and people take it extremely seriously and i i don't i think it's starting to gain that same kind of recognition recognition in the mainstream as well i i the, think the respect right where you invest yeah. in it and then you have, but it does take, you know, financial reward, um, like prize money, um, and but also respect, right? So that, you know, social respect, right? So yeah. I mean, think of like the aura of like getting an Olympic medal and like being an Olympian. So that type of aura, because it's the same time commitment, 
and like workout, you know, mental workout commitment that's needed, right, to be the best in the world at, at anything. Yeah. That kind of like, uh, you know, respect and recognition, I think, would, would go a long way toward making it a more, uh, you know, kind of like normative cultural practice. Yeah, and I, and I think it's difficult for a lot of people to get behind that who uh, don't have the same exposure to video games and, and how many people take it seriously. It's hard for people to get behind it because when they think of video games, they just think of like just some person sitting behind a screen, you know, twiddling their fingers on. And, and it, it doesn't have the same, I think, visual. Um, it doesn't bring the, 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 the same visual awe that like gymnastics in the olympics would or any any sport really you, you understand what i'm saying like i think in the mainstream it's difficult for people to give esports and gaming that same kind of recognition because um they don't really know what's going on in the game and when they look at people they're just behind, sitting behind a screen you know doing this with their hands yeah, yeah 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 i personally love it i mean i for that reason you know i don't know what's going on when people play football you know i wasn't raised in this country so it wasn't like in integral like it didn't come as part of my upbringing so you know i understand soccer because i was raised in europe i never understood uh, what they're doing there <laughs> i can appreciate what they're doing because i see the speed you know and even if you've played like nintendo for two hours <laughs> you know how much you know you suck when you start you gotta get to that level of of a, you know again it's it's well, uh, that's one of my questions, but what I admire a lot is the speed and the coordination. Yeah, but, but one of my questions is what makes a good video pl game player? Uh, well, that I'm, I'm just, I just do it casually. I'm, I'm, I just, I, it's just one of my hobbies. I mean, there are times where I play a lot, as you know, um, but um, I, I don't think there's one answer to that question. I think that there are a lot of different genres of games and they bring um, you, you have to have a different skill set for, for, for each game or it depends on what game that you're talking about. So um, I think one thing is, is, I mean, I can, the only, I can only speak from my experience. I play a game called league of legends and I play a game called world of Warcraft and for a so long time, just, just to interrupt you for a second, right now, yeah. right now, the number one popular game in the world is League of Legends, and the number two in the world is World of Warcraft. Really? <laughs> yeah. And number three, well, they, yeah. number three is Minecraft. So <laughs> I think it's you're qualified. That you That's definitely the international presence. I mean, the 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 presence of League of Legends and World of Warcraft um, in Asia and EU. Um, is really, really strong. Um, and the, you know, the um, world's, you know, the world championship for League of Legends brings a huge crowd and a huge, um, brings a lot of, of money. And they, it's a huge uh, event, essentially, that goes on for like a month. It's a mental game that's Oh, absolutely. That's post-lingual, you know. So, yes, you can be from, a, you know, another country and not speak English and play baseball if you know the rules. But, again, that's like, a, you know, the grunt, right, the, 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 the body. So this is a way to interact, you know, mentally and not have to use language, 
which well, yeah. I, I like, because <laughs> yeah, language is so corrupt. So it's nice to be able to get out of it. <laughs> yeah, and I think also one thing that people might not um, understand about some of these video games that we, that we just mentioned, World of Warcraft or League of Legends or yeah, these two specific ones that have the, the largest appeal internationally and in the world. Um, but I think what people don't understand is that they're they're like serious team sports. I mean, you have a team of people, at least in League of Legends, you have five people um, on your team and you have to be, I mean, to, to the, the, the professional players are coordinated in a, in an insane way. I mean, their coordination, their, they, it's just spectacular. Overwatch, another game, which also has a lot of international appeal is the same thing. It's six, it's six players on each team. So, some I think in the mainstream people so don't really understand the complexity and the intensity of these kinds of team games, which require the same level of cooperation and synchronization that that like a that like football would or soccer would. Really, it does. I'm I'm not. This is I'm not just saying this as a gamer. I I like sports too. I'm a huge basketball fan. Um, I've played basketball in high school and 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 the level the the level of cooperation that you need to succeed at a high level in both these sports really is comparable. Um, and do you uh, the teams stay the same so you play with your team consistently? No, 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 they no. they change. I mean, it depends. So so if you're wanting to compete in in um, a tournament, let's say, um, and League of Legends the the developer they have these kinds of every month or so every couple months, they have a tournament setting where you win little like in game stuff. Um, but if you want to compete at a, at a, at a serious level, you typically will play with the same group of people. I mean, the professional teams, they have a whole, they have a roster. They typically have uh, their main five. It's kind of, it's just like other sports. They have like it's a like start. Sports. There's a coach and yeah. there's a like, quarterback yeah, kind of coach. Thing. And there's a, there's a starting lineup and then there's a backup lineup if one of the starters doesn't feel like playing or doesn't is is i don't know i can't play for some um and it's um so but if you're playing casually which is what most people are doing you're just you're queuing with random you can queue with uh, the same group of people which is what i do i typically queue with the same uh four people um but if you're just playing by yourself, it'll just you with random people, um, and you can talk with them and you can chat with them. And so and, you're yeah. interacting with them. You're talking with them while you're playing, kind of like coordinating what you're doing. Yeah, right. Typically, it's in it's in a in a chat. You type essentially. Oh, okay. Twitch is a is like YouTube in a sense, except that it's live streams. It's it's pretty much all live. Um, live video um and the event that aoc wanted to do is i think she wanted to appeal to a younger crowd and and, and, and uh get people to vote uh, from a younger age so she did this kind of among us which is a, you know a trending game in the world and especially here in the u.s she did a a twitch stream so like a live video event where she played this game among us with representative ilhan omar um, with other uh, really popular, notable Twitch streamers as well. 
And this was, this was kind of an unprecedented thing, uh, at least on Twitch. Um, and it, it was, I think it was one of the most viewed video streams ever, I think, on, on Twitch. It was, it, it had like, I think like 700,000 concurrent viewers or so, maybe more. So you have 700,000 people all at once watching. Right, that's really cool, yeah. With Twitch in general, I mean, we can see the internet is completely uh, taking over what cable television was. I mean, I, I feel like most people will just go on Netflix to watch movies. I feel like for younger generations, cable television is not really, uh, it's, 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 it's irrelevant, essentially. Yeah, um, me too. I, I, don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah, I'm not yeah. even the younger generation. Yeah. It's just never and done anything for me. So I think what we're seeing is essentially is Twitch is the newest manifestation of what television was for, for me growing right. up. At least I had right. growing in up. In the previous century. Yeah, in the 20th century. Yeah. yeah. What makes a good video game? I, I did read that... Um, you know, video games can take up to nearly 700 hours to complete, right? So that, uh, I, and I wondered, well, is, it seems to me as an outsider that the longer it takes to, to, to get through, you know, the better the game because, like, it's a better, like, value for your money, right? If you can finish it in, like, 20 hours, let's say, it's not as, to me, uh, as an outsider, um, but then I looked up the titles, you know, so it seems like Call of Duty World War II takes 22 hours to beat. And uh, Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate, <laughs> whatever that is, takes 693 hours to complete. And yet, again, from the outside, I never heard of Monster Hunter before, but I definitely heard of Call of Duty. So, like, my logic <laughs> of, like, you know, the market economy is misleading me. <laughs> yeah, so this is, um, this is, and this is something that I've kind of noticed as a, somebody who's in gaming's, you know, um, since they were seven years old. Um, so I, I have a kind of, a, I think I have a pretty good understanding of kind of the arc of the gaming industry from, you know, the early 2000s to now. Um, and um, what, what you're seeing, and, and you think that, you know, basically it's a little bit more complicated than that. Um, obviously because the quality of the game is, is, it's, it's very relative, depending on, on you know, some person might like a particular game, might like Call of Duty a lot. Um, even though, you know, Call of Duty is kind of this, uh, it's kind of this cash cow franchise where they, they, produce, they produce one every single year. So the most popular games, League of Legends, Minecraft. Minecraft's a single-player game, but I think most people play it multiplayer. So when you're saying to, you know, your kind of understanding of what makes a quality game is, you know, how many hours you can get out of it, um, essentially. So well, yeah, of, of like it. pleasure, of like dopamine hits. Exactly. <laughs> Before you and buy a new said, one. <laughs> yeah, and while you think Call of Duty takes, you know, 22 hours to complete, whereas Monster Hunter World is 600 and something. Um, the It's not actually as simple as that because Call of Duty... I don't know really much about Monster Hunter, but Call of Duty, which is an online game, while the single-player story might take 22 hours, you can play online infinitely. 
Mm. It's a team of, of mm. a certain number of within a certain number of players, and you can just play games and infinitely and, and play against each other. Uh, essentially, it's not a set story. It's each game is different. I understand. Each match is, yeah, yeah. So depending so, who you play against, like the possibilities are endless because it's unpredictable what they'll do, and and yeah. that's part of the beauty of like human interaction instead of like. Uh, you know, artificial intelligence interaction, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. But um, I think there are, are very, uh, at least for me, it's easy for me, I think, to determine a quality game, like what makes a good game. Um, and one easy way I think that you can to do that is that there are certain games, Call of Duty, which is, I think, the, the most popular example where they come out with a Call of Duty every single year. Every year, they make a new Call of Duty just to make, just to sell it, just to make money. And there's a there's a you know basically a controversy within the gaming community, and and most people recognize that Call of Duty, while they're fun to play and you can kill you know kill a few hours just running around as a soldier basically and killing people essentially and 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 fighting and, and basically experiencing like a Michael Bay movie interactively or the soldier running around. The quality of the game uh, is not the developer's priority, I think. And I think most people think this because they have to produce one every year. Um, and there's also a serious tension between the developers of the games and the publishers of the games. So Activision, which is a large video game publishing company. I don't exactly know how the bureaucracy works, but they have some ownership and stake in, in developers, essentially. And they can say, you have to give us our game by November, essentially. And if you don't give us our game, well, you, you just have to, essentially. If you don't, you'll, you'll be fired, you'll be in big trouble, we'll find somebody who will. When you're talking about the quality of the game, um, that, in my opinion, uh, it, it detracts from, from, from the quality of, of that particular game. Um, and, but that's just my opinion. There are lots of people who love, I mean, Call of Duty is one of the most popular games in, in the United States. It's, it's huge. So lots of people really, really like Call of Duty just because, um, you know, people game for different reasons. And I know we're kind of going on a, a tangent here, but I think, you know, you can talk about quality of a game in different ways. You can talk about the artistic quality of a game, the innovative quality of a game. Um, and then you can also talk about, you know, what the game does for players. So like in, in for Call of Duty, I mean, that, that's just, if you want to just get your kind of competitive spirit and just kind of play and, and against people and, you know, talk smack people online and just, you know, have a good time with your friends, then a lot of people, I've had a lot of great uh, times on, on Call of Duty, but if you're looking for a single player, if you're looking uh, for a world or a story to get lost in, that looks, that's very different. Um, right. So, but like, and I, I personally mm -hmm. equate the quality of the game, I think, more with these kind of single player artistic story-driven games than kind of um, online competitive 
you know, I, I think they're the, the quality, they have different qualities and the overall quality of the game is different in, in both, in both cases. Um, but one thing that's really interested me in this kind of new era of gaming is just how the market and capitalism and just the profit-driven motives of game companies have really tarnished uh, the gaming industry in a lot of ways. Um, and you see this by, I'm sure maybe you've read some articles about microtransactions and how games, you know, people will, publishers and developers will um, release games and the, the main goal and aim of the game is just to get young kids to accidentally or, or purposely buy these little micro transactions, these little in-game things that you can purchase. Um, and th- that was a, that, that's a, there are also games. Um, well, yeah, like, like when uh, years ago, like what was that called? Penguin or something that little, you know, world. Oh, uh, or... yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, Club Penguin. Yeah, like buying fake shit, which encourages pleasure from acquisition you know it encourages capitalism just basically because you feel good you know the pleasure the mental like you know dopamine comes from acquiring stuff (laughs) rather than from like skill or adventure or you know whatever whatever other like reward yeah so i mean i think a good game like all games are clearly designed to entice people to play them right that that's like their raison d'etre right so i assume that's their main job um yeah right well, but yeah, um, yeah. yeah and they have to be like hard enough to keep you coming back but not so hard that you kind of give up and go to like what you know so those are like two givens but um you know i'm, I'm interested in like uh the you know, the thing of like how they connect you to electronically. Basically, we depend on like broadband <laughs> to, to, do, to connect electronically and do it, yeah. you know, together and to, to gameplay, to continue, right? To continue this like interaction. So um, I think that, you know, it, it, I mean, to me, you know, as, as you know, I feel that, you know, is it's, in general, it's it's very positive because it allows, uh, you know, especially young men, <laughs> in the in the in the age of like, you know, finding themselves and individuating, and you know, from puberty onward, basically, to do that to sublimate, to to do that in ways that are more um, metaphorical or you know intellectual than you know than physical and brutal right so the the whole kind of like history of the patriarchy depended on this basic assumption that you know women uh, have the reproductive like the procreative advantage but men have the physical and and aggressive advantage right so men are uh, you know more powerful and also more let's say uh, you know warrior like <laughs> um that's the whole testosterone right so um in a sense you know for for thousands of years of patriarchy young boys would become men 
through some kind of savage, brutal, right, passage of passage, right, or other, you know, whether it would be like scarification or going to war or just a draft, you know, being drafted yeah. to go to the army, which is still happening in most of the world, not in America anymore, but, you know, after a lot of protests. But basically, it was always kind of like separating the, the boy from, let's say, the mother and from from all feminine attributes <laughs> emotions and what what not and and kind of like forging um a warrior you know a a, a kind of like aggressive you know winner versus loser you know machine um who would then naturally feeling like empowered <laughs> through this ritual, having passed this ritual and become like heroic, would feel entitled to kind of like own, you know, a woman and the fruits of her womb, right? So that's the whole setup, you know, I'm strong enough and I, you know. Um, so I, I feel that the culture is massively changing, I'm, I'm, I believe for the best, <laughs> uh, Thanks to this, uh, because it is liberating, you know, uh, male and masculine identifying <laughs> people <laughs> from this sort of like, you know, uh, ritual, like socialized uh, obligation, you know, this duty, speaking of call of duty, right? So your call of duty now can be done uh, with your hands, you know, through the screen, um, kind of like, you know, sublimated this way rather than uh, by shedding like blood and gore and, you know, gutting each other, <laughs> right? Or calling each other out to duels or whatever people did, you know, um, in, you know, territorial fights. All of that can be uh, kind of experienced um, metaphorically. And as you grow, you know, while you continue to play, as you grow, you come into your maturity, having experienced a lot of these things, you know, like competitiveness, aggressiveness, um, even kind of like, you know, um, sexism, you know, where like you objectify a female, but she's just an avatar, <laughs> who cares, right? You go through all of that, and, you know, by the time you're mature enough, and kind of like fully grown in your 30s, you have learned it, but you have not learned it at the cost of, at the cost of, of human you know, lives, of a lot of suffering and oppression and injustice. So yeah, it doesn't, you know, the, the, the rite of passage doesn't have to happen that way. And so if you look at it, not from like a lifetime span or a lifetime perspective, but from the generational or multi-generational perspective of, let's say, um, you know, the 21st century, <laughs> you know, which isn't actually even enough because the creation of patriarchy took something like 5,000 years. So we're not even talking about, you know, needing five more millennia, but even like, let's say from now, the beginning of the 21st century to the 23rd century, I feel that by the 23rd century, the influence of these ways of sublimating, um, you know, masculine identifying, 
you know, rituals or behaviors will be felt uh, organically because, you know, it's kind of like a role modeling. So look how slow, like, the herd immunity is, which is nothing. This in comparison, right? It's not such a fundamental, like, human behavior as, like, you know, the, the, the patterns set by fathers or mothers or warriors or heroes or, like, movie, you know, actors, right? So uh, all these figureheads, uh, the, the myths, the stories, you know, all the, the stuff that we've been raised on, which is meant to condition us to be a certain way. So to kind of like allow us that consciousness, that higher consciousness, where we are aware that we have a choice at all times and that we choose to act one way or another, um, I think that, you know, the video games open, open that up, that they open that um, kind of space where you, even as a, you know, as a teenager or as a, as a young man in your 20s, can experience being really angry and aggressive and competitive and wanting to kill and destroy your, your opponent and, you know, feeling really high and, and happy from that. And then the game ends, and a second later, you know, you're like, you know, hi, honey, uh, I missed you. What are you up to? Or do you want to order some food? So the, exa the, this, the shift in behavior from one to another with such fluency is allowing a, a much greater consciousness of there is another, you know, I that's in charge. There is a you know, the, it, I get to choose who I am. I don't have to be fully 100% invested in either one. You know, I don't have to choose from one extreme to the other. I don't have to live in like either either I'm, you know, passive or I'm aggressive. You know, either I'm, a, you know, m masculine or I'm feminine. Either I'm like, you know, tall or I'm short. I'm good, I'm bad. Like all of this you know, patriarchy is, is created by defining meaning as difference. So getting away from that and opening up space for, like, uh, for us to contain our contradictions every minute, you know, um, and accept them, I think is like the transformation into a more enlightened, you know, human. And it will take a long time, but I do feel that, you know, the internet is facilitating that, uh, not social media, <laughs> but definitely practices like, you know, video gaming. Um, and, and I think that the general, you know, opinion is changing in that way too, because I remember that like, you know, even the pediatricians, you know, way back then, and, you know, the, the, the authority figures used to like warn us all, you know, oh, the addiction, you know, video game addiction, and how do you cure it? And, you know, uh, bring your kid to like my place to, um, you know, make sure they're not addicted. And, and I feel that now, you know, recently, um, there has been kind of like a change, a slight change in improvement, <laughs> um, you know, in, in normative attitude, even though, you know, again, like, in my opinion, you know, uh, gaming like doesn't serve the purposes of the patriarchy, so it will do what it can to like you know co-opt it, you know, um, and and so you know excessive gaming will be something that is discussed, you know, and people will talk about like oh you know it's a 
it creates like lack of motivation or it creates like, you know, dopamine exhaustion or, you know, emotional suppression. And that's such, I think, mumbo jumbo, you know, bullshit because, right, real life, you can feel when real life is happening. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it, there are definitely this, those stories of people who take it to the extreme and, you know, play inordinate amounts of video games and um but and i understand i mean i guess that that video game addiction is a is a thing i guess um but i think that there is a lot of good and we've talked about all the the kind of positives that that gaming uh brings um that i feel like people don't really um, talk about it. Or they don't think about gaming in the way that we are thinking about it right now, at least in this conversation um, about systemically, how does gaming kind of change the trajectory of these um, masculine tendencies and masculine um, attributes toxic masculine attributes. Um, this is definitely not something that's going to be discussed. Um, and I, I know, you know, some of the most, the, the most notorious kind of negative uh, takes on video games is that like shooter video games, like Call of Duty, they, you know, directly, um, they, they directly affect the minds of young kids and they make them more violent. Um, yeah. <laughs> this has been, you know, this has been disproved. You it's know, they, been they, like, uh, yeah, it's like giving it's kids like toy guns. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> it's not, not, it's not real. Um, but I mean, of course, you know, everything, everything in moderation. I mean, you can't. Video games are absolutely bring lots of positives, um, but you don't. You want to. You don't want to lose sight. You know, we were talking about there are two worlds, there are two realities. This is the reality of gaming where we've kind of identified that basically men, uh, there, you know, there's a, a female gaming community as well, but men um, yeah, yeah. and non-binary as well. But men um, can kind of exercise their their inherent toxic masculine behavior of conquering and destroying and dominating in this one world and then the the shift and the break from that world to the other um reorients them essentially reorients them uh and gives them a better understanding of of themselves in reality as opposed to themselves in video game reality right um you don't want to lose sight of yourself in reality because you're so, so lost in video game reality. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like, yeah, yeah you, there, there's always a balance. Um, and. Oh yeah. You're not going to miss reality. You know, you're not, I don't, you know, these people are like, you know, you're not going to be hungry. You're not going to have to go to the bathroom. You're not going to, it's just, you know, I, I think it's just uh, to me, you know, I think it's like kind of like a little um, resistance, you know, 
uh, I mean, from what I've experienced, partly, you know, from watching you play and, and kind of like admiring it <laughs> um, <laughs> on many levels, you know, um, I think that it, you know, it improves your coordination, it improves your focus, you know, it's an extraordinary degree of focus, you know, which like maybe in the olden days we had, um, I don't know, reading or I don't know what, you know, it takes so much focus, but it's the focus that you need like to land an aeroplane if you're an air traffic controller. It's like high level focus, which, you know, again, I think that's like an important skill, you know, and memory, because you have to memorize, you know, if you're going to move up, right. Um, but also like, um, I like uh, the, the information, just like the knowledge, I like, it, it's kind of like a, a playful, fun way to learn about uh, mythology, you know, like when I Google my name, Eurydice, uh, it's like Eurydice and Hades, uh, it's a game. <laughs> and it comes up, you know, the whole first page of Google, it's about these characters in the game. And that pleases me incredibly. You know, I, I don't think it's necessary that everybody has to know the story of Eurydice that was told like, uh, you know, five or whatever it was, two, three thousand, three thousand years ago, maybe 2,500 uh, years ago, right? Um, I think it's totally cool that her story changes, right? And, and that yeah. she, it, it, it's still there. There's still the underworld <laughs> that you're navigating, right? Um, so, uh, you know, I think that a lot of that, like just the names of avatars and what they do, um, speak of our, his, our cultural heritage, you know? It's a way of kind of like embodying those roles, those archetypes, you know, those mythic characters um, that otherwise, you know, like uh, the generation before didn't get to. So unless you would like imagine that with your imagination while you were reading these stories or like comic books, you didn't get to um, pretend that you are like, you know, a, a, a Trojan a warrior or, <laughs> um, you know, or some some other uh, mythic, you know, characters. So I think that also, you know, those those characters and myths were created uh, to, to teach us things, right? So when you embody them, right? Like when you play different roles, you learn different things in, in a sense about maybe even aspects Absolutely. of yourself. It depends on the game, but when you're talking about bringing these kind of myths and, and stories that were created and written to teach people something about life or and and embodying these stories and creating an, an interactive adventure an interactive experience a world that you can truly you can truly live out these stories in an, in an entirely different world i mean it's it's spectacular um but of course um as far as different roles it, it it really depends on the game uh, and and there's so many different games there's so many different um, different expressions in video gaming and it, it's 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 really spe it's it's spectacular I mean I don't even I don't even know the game that you're referring to but there's there's a whole there's a whole world out there of of I know the um, one very popular um, franchise is the Assassin's Creed franchise and it is it, it was largely based in these uh these ancient realities um where 
you run around as this assassin, which is a fictional character, but you run around in these very real historical contexts. So you can go visit the Hagia Sophia, you know, when mm. it was when it was first constructed as this assassin or something. Mm. Um, in, and the, in, the, in, the, in the Middle Ages, yeah. yeah. This is one particular franchise, and I don't know yeah. how many video games are out there that are historically accurate and embody these kinds of um, yeah. these stories and these myths. Right. But um, Well, I hear you change. Yeah. I mean, you played all kinds of different characters within the same game a lot. And some are, you know, female identifying and some are male identifying and some are like... Uh, wizardly and some are more um, monstrous you know they have like kind of master like <laughs> attributes so in a sense you're practicing being all kinds of other you know selves or entities right besides the one normative think, one you present to the world right you're referring I think to League of Legends specifically yeah 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 <laughs> yeah because that's, I think, the, the game that you've had the most exposure to through watching me play. Um, but no, absolutely. Yeah, there's there's over 100 different characters that range from, you know, you, they, they range from a rock monster to this, you know, knight to this, you know, massive masculine knight to this, you know, feminine, you know, wizard, fe feminine which essentially there's all kinds of different different characters that you can that you can that you can play right and as you play them a tiny tiny part of you learns how to be that way so you're not stuck being only you uh, you know what i mean like i feel that it liberates absolutely right it gets you out um, of the extreme stereotyping that, that we were brought up in i think the game that would demonstrate this more is actually the other game that we that um that I played, which we alluded to before, World of Warcraft. Um, that game, you you literally create an avatar, a character that can be, you know, uh, it can be whatever you want it to be. It can be a, a a dwarf. It could be a this alien creature. It can be well, not whatever you want it to be. You know, there's there's a variety of different uh, characters that you can create right. where you pick. You can pick be like it, a, a, a and a, a temptress, a vixen, you know, like super sexy girl or, you know. Whatever, or, yeah, yeah, there's a set number of different um, races, essentially, that you can choose from. But races, you know, not in the sense that w what we think about, but really right, right. in this mythological universe where you can be a minotaur. That's a race. They're yeah, that's so cool. Be a goblin. You could, that's another race. You could be a... Um, you know, Drenai, which is like this alien kind of yeah. creature. Yeah. Um, and you can be, yeah. And, and, and so this is th that game. You really are creating another version of yourself in this world and you can try that out for a while. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think psychologically it's just enormously, uh, you know, useful. It's just kind you know, uh, compared to like how daily life, you know, the options that we were allowed in our daily life until this. So I think it's one of the best things that the internet, you know, has done. And I hope that the the kind of like, you know, online and in entertainment, whatever it's called, industry, you know, um, becomes, you know, more accepted and, and normative. And, you know, and I, and I definitely feel that 2020 has helped a lot that way because, 
you know, since so many uh, young people were like stuck at home, right, then the online games with friends became their most like uh, basic, you know, interaction, like the way to satisfy the most basic, you know, social, psychological needs. So it, 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 you know, it was, it created more uh, acceptance, social acceptance, because, you know, parents and and other authority figures like were encouraging, you know, young people to stay away from each other and lock down and socially isolate. So they kind of like gave them more permission (laughs) to, to, you know, to interact online in, in games and, you know, online this, this, you know, you people, you know, people have like full control of your virtual identity, which doesn't happen in real life. In real life, there are all these ancient, you know, antiquated, kind of like, you know, obsolete rules of behavior that were still going by just because they made sense, you know, a thousand or a hundred or 500 years ago, you know, what's proper. <laughs> and the only thing that's proper is what used to be proper, <laughs> which may, which make no sense anymore but still like it's we're told you know that's how we behave right so you learn that you can have full control of of who you are which I think it's like you know it's it's pretty extraordinary and and real life kind of robs us of that for a long time you know you have to like break a lot of rules and travel and get away from your home place and your language and your culture and go in and out of cultures to begin to understand you know that that you we all have agency and we don't need to obey (laughs) we just don't need to obey so i i think it's one of the you know of the perks of uh of COVID-19 <laughs> is this realization. And, um, you know, there was a study, the Oxford Internet Institute, and they found that people who play online games with friends for long periods of time report feeling happier than those who don't. Period. Of course. <laughs> of course. Yeah, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, having a, a an outlet to hang out with. I mean, w- I don't know if this was the study done over COVID or. Yeah, it's a it's a current study, so that yeah, you know, so, yeah, of course, because I mean, right now because of COVID, I'm I'm, you know, I can't really I don't really hang out with 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 my friends in person. We hang out online and in, in an online kind of chat application called Discord where we just we hang out in there for hours and you know when we have free time even when we're not playing video games we just hang out in there and we talk and i'll be you know you know writing or doing homework or or whatever studying and i'll just be in the discord hanging out with people it's 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 great yeah it's like it's a little like house party but it allows yeah. you to yeah 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 yeah, and what you know, what they uh, they 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 reported specifically was that if they play four hours a day, I mean, imagine this used to be like anathema. Four hours a day, every single day, they feel significantly happier than I- those who don't. <laughs> Not just if, if they themselves don't, but also people who like have never played. So compared to non-game players. <laughs> I, I've definitely yeah. played four hours in one day before, and it's uh, it's great. Yeah, yeah, 
it's like the you know it's it's i i, I don't know i think it's the it, it's the way of the future thank you for your oh, time thank you for course. your knowledge and your wisdom my yes my little my and, the little knowledge i have as a, as a long time gamer i guess now yeah, and, uh, yeah you, you know I, the last thing that's important to say is that um you know i think i think that gaming there's a lot of positives with gaming with the world of video games you know artistic positives you know uh, uh positives that come from having a better understanding of yourself and and where you're and, and reorienting yourself to the world around you by existing and living and and conquering in this other world um but you know you don't just i think it's important to play but also play in moderation um and what i mean by that is i think this is important it's more important uh for younger for younger people i think for kids um because i think um that if at least for me you know i started playing video games when i was like seven years old maybe even younger you know my parents were very um at a young age they were very strict with with my gaming they, it's not that they didn't let me game i played lots of video games as a young kid but they really instilled in me the importance of you know the video gaming is one world reality is another world you know it's always important to prioritize the real world and have um and grow in the real world as well as in this you know digital world um and i think if that is established at a young age then i think grow as you get older you can play as many video games as you want and i think it will only it, it'll only be good i think it only brings happiness and it only brings good as long as you have that kind of that foundation if, if you build a foundation at a young age of understanding yourself and your position with this digital world which can be very enticing it can be very overwhelming it can be um i mean in, incredibly fun and then also growing in in the uh in reality yeah that's my last word about the about video games that's my opinion yeah i mean you know you can't neglect like your intimate life whether it's when you're a child with your you know parents or your siblings i think they're pretty noticeable <laughs> and you know as you grow older with you know your partner you know it's definitely not the same as having intimacy as being like you know touched or or known in person but it is def it it, it is a way to replace a lot of our you know more general social interactions with the you know with the world at large i feel so that's you know what to me you know is is great that um it doesn't really take the place of intimacy it doesn't give you those pleasures um of being you know felt but it does it does replace all kinds of like expectations um that we have been given about who we should be in the you know in the world so you know 
you can do those things in you know online <laughs> and and uh, it takes less out of you <laughs> than having to do them you know in in the real world and even more so now you know during a pandemic <laughs> so yeah i think like combining it with the, with the life in nature you know like getting some fresh air and getting some oxygen and you know getting to the getting a walk in the woods or going to the ocean or you know having a girlfriend or having a boyfriend you know that sort of you know having a family that sort of thing that's kind of like a balance that's definitely needed so no we're not like advocating only living <laughs> in video gaming absolutely lifestyle yeah. yeah yeah okay well thank you so much uh i you know, it was really it was a blast i yeah yeah i'm i'm a fan and i have only like the greatest hopes <laughs> you know about all of this um this lifestyle so that's yeah. it and uh, everybody out there uh until we speak again next week keep speaking sex my name is evie ridisi and these are my conversations speaking sex. I speak sex with all kinds of people who are at the forefront of this change of consciousness in the 21st century. And I encourage you to hear our ongoing liberation conversation and find your way of turning around the meaning of what we've been taught. Support my cause. Help me set you free. Hit the support button on speaksexpodcast.com. Hit support. Hit donate. Thank you. Love you. And keep speaking sex. If I could make love incessantly. I would be God.